Hi, everybody. This is uh, Nikhil Vamal, and today I'm going to be interviewing a, the, the bot influencer, Chad Oda, uh, creator of the uh, botpreneur Facebook community, um, founder of the, uh, I, what is the podcast called again? Remind me quickly. Yeah, uh, so it's called the Bot Podcast. It's called the Bot Podcast. Okay, good. I was, the making bot sure. podcast. I was making sure. And uh, yeah, you, he does some stuff with agents, uh, he does work with agencies on bots. Uh, you recently gave a talk, I believe, on bots at the Bot Summit. But that's correct. We'll get to that as well. And uh, yeah, you've been in the bot influencing space for, for a little bit now. And we're just going to jump right in and ask you, what got you into bots? What got you into bots? Yeah, you know, that's actually a really good question that, uh, you know, it's always, always interesting, like origin stories, right? No matter what technology, no matter what startup or vertical, it's always interesting, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's like we never, you know, we sort of stumbled into chatbots. You know, I think like many did back around 2016. So for us, at the time, we were sort of running a uh, workflow automation-based consulting firm. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because um, my co-founder at the time had read something about chatbots, you know, and he was telling me, I remember that day he was telling me about it. And then we were just like, whoa, like you can like automate certain things, messaging channels, and you can really scale some of those interactions out. And so we were interested for like uh, a couple of weeks after that, and then the funny thing was, you know, so at the time we were prospecting for clients within the mid-market and enterprise space. Mm -hmm. and, uh, we went to some design thinking meetup and we met the director of innovation for this pretty large healthcare insurance company. So we ended up getting a phone call with this guy because he was just interested in what we were doing as far as the consulting agency and was trying to see if maybe there was some alignment with some of their initiatives. So on the call, he's telling us this use case, this case uh, where... Right now, they were trying to, or at the time, they were trying to scale out their customer support uh, centers because as they were just adding way more people in network, you know, like they just couldn't feasibly continue to build out uh, customer support centers, or it was just not financially uh, a viable strategy for them at the time. So it was sort of funny, you know, my co-founder and I were here in this use case, you know, we look at each other, we put the phone on mute and we say, hey, should we, uh, we should pitch them chatbots. Yeah, we should pitch them chatbots. Go ahead, pitch this guy chatbots. And to our surprise, at the end of the call, this guy says, hey, you know, this sounds great. You know, I would like you guys to come in and pitch to our senior level stakeholders. So my, uh, my co-founder and I sort of look at each other like, oh, shit. All right, we, we, uh, we got to learn this chatbot thing. So, you know, that was like sort of the initial salvos into the chatbot uh, space, um, you know, and that was actually a successful implementation. We ended up building some things internally for them. And, you know, from there, you know, that really got us our start. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from that, you know, we've worked with robotics companies, um, we've worked with politicians, you know, we work with uh, insurance companies and healthcare companies and e-commerce companies and, and pretty much anything and everything across the spectrum. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so to follow up that question a little bit, um, you know, obviously you got into bots as uh, sort of an agency owner, right? And so what, and so what sort of drew you into becoming an influencer or like an evangelist and an influencer? Sure really involve yourself with, with the bot community and stuff like that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a great question. Um, it's so funny because, uh, you know, so I'm actually sitting in a co-working space right now uh, with a friend of mine who's uh, working on some like uh, personal branding stuff. Hey. Had that same question and discussion uh, before I jumped on this podcast. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, so I did not plan on being an influencer, you know, so how this all sort of culminated and, and got started was, you know, so at the time, getting into bots, I realized, 
you know, I'm not the smartest guy when it comes to bots, right? I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure out this ecosystem at the time. And this was, you know, um, earlier, you know, when we got into bots and my thought process was, okay, well, how do I learn about this space and talk to some of the smartest people that are working on cool implementations with bots or voice? So what I thought was, okay, I'm going to start a podcast, right? Because not only can I like raise visibility um, amongst best practices and insights and strategies just to benefit the community. Also, maybe a little more selfishly, you know, I knew that, you know, I can sort of talk to these people too and, and sort of figure out what's the lay of the land here. Like what's working, what's not working. And sort of through that, it, it uh, sort of inevitably created a platform um, for me to get the opportunity to talk more about chatbots and talk more about voice user interfaces. And from there, you know, uh, the podcast then sort of extended to some of the video content I've started to do on LinkedIn, um, which uh, to my surprise, people actually wanted to listen to what I had to say about some chatbot and voice stuff. And then from there, you know, that really lent itself to giving me opportunities to speak at Chatbot Summit and to work with Yoav Burrell, who's been running, you know, one of the top conferences in the world right now. Um, you know, it was recently in Berlin. Um, and uh, also be speaking at Bots uh, next February in San Francisco, actually. Uh, so, you know, I never sort of intended, you know, on being an influencer, mm-hmm. um, but I certainly sort of ended up sort of in the space. But, you know, my whole objective and mission um, from like a thought leadership perspective is you know, really to try and surface what is tangible, what's viable, what's feasible versus all the noise, right? Because I think in any emergent technology, there's a significant amount of noise. And I think, you know, the ecosystem as a whole can progress and evolve much faster if everyone has an idea of what's working, what's not working. So we can all sort of get back to work and solve the hard problems. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a fantastic answer. Like, it's, it's interesting because I think you hear a lot of people who sort of get into influencing because they want to, right? But it, your yeah. story is a little bit more, like, that's really cool to hear that you just sort of got into it and, and, took, a, and took a leap sort of to, to get into that. So it's, it's great. It's great. And so the next question then, as an influencer, as someone who's been in the bot space, how do you think bots are going to change the world? You know, pretty, pretty Interesting question, pretty big question, but you know, just yeah. your opinion and your perspective. How do you think they'll change the world? Sure. You know, so my vision when it comes to bots, you know, I think we need to sort of focus on, you know, really what is the paradigm shift at hand here? Mm-hmm. You know, for the longest time, humans interacting with computer systems, you know, has always been sort of this like artificial experience, right? If you think about back to, you know, computers that took flashcards. Right. Then moving to command line interfaces, then moving to graphical user interfaces on a desktop, and then moving to mobile interfaces. And then finally, you know, provided the, you know, economics behind uh, storage, compute, and networking uh, becoming accessible, um, these platforms have now taken center stage where conversational user interfaces are now viable for startups and for enterprises alike. And that being said, you know, if we think about what the potential that exists, right? The potential really is, you know, the friction and intuitiveness for humans to interact with any computer system is much, much better, right? So the way that, let's say, a 70-year-old would interact with a conversational user experience, a four-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 26-year-old can interact in that very same approach. So what, where do we get from there, right? What we get is the interfaces necessarily like mobile phones or desktop computers or voice user interfaces, 
the interfaces or the platforms themselves don't really become that important don't become that important anymore right so no matter what device it is i can still interact and sort of get the computer to sort of do or help me or sort of computate uh, whatever i'm trying to actually do you know i think that's sort of the end vision where we have this vision of uh, sort of ambient computing right almost you begin to take take it for granted such as you know uh water electricity when we walk into a place you know we don't you know sort of think to ourselves is there going to be light is there going to be you know electricity um we just we just know it's going to be there and we know it's going to work and i think that's where we're going with conversational user interfaces and i think within the next five to 10 years, we're going to be living in a very different world um, that, you know, I think right now might be sort of hard to wrap our heads around. Sure. Uh, yeah. We saw that initial hype phase, you know, I, I think right. starting maybe, maybe even 2015, I'd say it started pretty early with like Slack jumping on this whole thing of like, bots are going to be the future of our platform. Obviously Facebook at F8, you know, it went, I think the crowd kind of went wild or at least the yeah. press media went wild when they saw that there was just going to be this huge centralized bot platform. Finally, even though the talk, I think the talk's been around for quite a while, you know, of yeah. conversational interfaces, but we saw these big players sort of jump in and have now sort of, I don't want to say gone silent, but have sort of plateaued in their like level of excitement perhaps for it. So I think that's, you know, it's super cool to continue seeing that there's people who, uh, you know, really believe, I mean, I personally believe that there's so much more left to do in that space but you know, with, with hype cycles, it's kind of a it's a weirder weirder process to to follow. So I think we're coming up in exciting times, though. And yeah, I think that's within five years, definitely. I think we'll see some some really cool stuff. So um, you know, talking a little bit about you know the concept of of the bot community, really, uh, or actually, well, let's let's do another question first, and then I'll get back into that. But. Um, what do you think about the future of bots now specifically towards certain sectors? So let's talk about sure. the future of bots within the consumer space right now. What do you what do you see maybe in that next five years? You know, where do you see consumers picking up on bots? Yeah, so you're talking more from sort of a perspective of like B to C oriented yeah. brands yeah. or yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, so I think, you know, I I, I believe. Uh, if we look at sort of the trends, right? And the trend really starts with messaging, right? Messaging as a channel, right? So think about messaging as a channel and the fact that, you know, the top messaging solutions have more monthly active users than pretty much the top social networking platforms, right? So I think, first of all, that begins to sort of indicate a directionality for like how consumers want to interact, right? They want instant, real-time communication and feedback, 20 Seven, seven days a week, right? They're already doing it with their friends, family, coworkers on these messaging channels. So, you know, in that same sort of way of thinking, in that same frame, you know, people also are beginning to want to interact directly with companies, right? They want to have that same experience. And if we just sort of follow that trend and we see that becoming actual, you know, uh, sort of reality, if we think about, you know, Apple business talk and we see everything going on with Facebook Messenger in conjunction with small businesses and large businesses alike, mm -hmm. as well as WhatsApp opening up their API, yep. and, you know, a number of other channels that are sort of consumer oriented. You know, I certainly think there's a, a lot of upside. Um, you know, we're beginning to see those things work very well right now. For example, you know, there's a company called Shop Message. Now they uh, essentially provide a commerce chatbot service for one specific 
um, sort of consumer facing uh, use case, which is card abandonment. Now they've driven a hundred million dollars in revenue um, with their clients on that platform. You know, so we're already beginning to begin to see some tangibility from a consumer facing side of things, but you know, so that's the near term, right? People are still trying to figure things out. They want to find working solutions. You know, best practices are still bubbling up, whether it's an e-commerce perspective or whether it's, you know, maybe like a, a service-oriented brand or a product-based brand that's, that's B2B-oriented. Um, but I think in the long term, what we will see is that conversational user interfaces become one of the primary touch points for consumers to interact with. So Gartner, I think they recently had put out a prediction and they said 80% of uh, sort of interaction with brands by 2020 would be facilitated without a human. Um, so I think, you know, that just sort of paints the picture of where we're going. For sure. You know, sort of imagine a world where that is the case. You know, we can sort of imagine like something like, um, you know, we're just interacting with a voice user interface, right? It's like, you know, hey, you know, I'm looking to, you know, buy a new car, right? And, you know, now there's like some sort of like, uh, switchboard, uh, where now that's connecting me to maybe a variety of different, you know, car resellers or something like that. And now it can sort of take me down that process or that sales process, right? And, you know, there's, there's probably going to be a variety of different bots, but there's probably going to be like one virtual assistant that's going to surface all those capabilities. Yeah. And I think the other component to that too is, you know, not only are we going to see compartmentalized use cases when it comes to conversational user interfaces, we're also going to be seeing enterprises, you know, leveraging sort of the full value-added suite of services, their backend, and sort yeah. of connecting that, you know, um, it, the initial touch point would be some sort of conversational user interface. So um, not to ramble on too long, but I always like to give... No problem. Good um, so if we think about, let's just think of like a department store, right? Now, a department store on the back end, you know, probably has, you know, a variety of different initiatives um, in order to, you know, increase revenue, increase, you know, the retention of customers. So if we just think for a moment uh, of the back end of a department store, you know, for example, one of their initiatives is probably some sort of like digital transformation, you know, for that, you know, it's trying to figure out, you know, where are they putting these legacy applications or new applications on the cloud? or whatnot, right? So that's one component. And then moving from there, now we're talking about, you know, let's integrate, you know, a lot of the systems that they already have, marketing automation, ERP solutions, CRM solutions, right? So have that data being shared amongst, you know, those different platforms. Now that we have that, now we can already begin to see um, some patterns emerge, right? Now from there, you know, there are things like, um, you know, you can get access to sort of supercomputing, you know, from a variety of different uh, cloud vendors at this point. So now that we have the capabilities to actually like, crunch a lot of this data, right? Now, yeah. that, now we have some sort of analytics, predictive analysis, prescriptive analysis, uh, potential to really surface a lot of that information, right? And now within the department store, you know, now you probably want some additional data points, right? So maybe you can use an IoT solution to authenticate, you know, people that have made previous purchases and to track all that in real time. Right. For example, you know, backend solution is also connected to their POS solution. And we also know if they were on the website looking at a pair of shoes. Right. So now if we have all those data points and we have the capabilities to process that data and surface patterns for specific customers. Now, let's imagine like what that experience may be like if I were to walk into that department store. Let's say, for example, you know, I was looking at a pair of shoes, you know, 
online. I was looking at a pair of Cole Haan shoes online, right? They know who I am, you know, they know my buying patterns. And then let's say, you know, the next day I want to go into this department store and actually take a look at them. So provided all of that, you know, I walk into the department store, you know, maybe I get authenticated somehow through some sort of like, you know, IOT device or sensor, you know, near the Kohan shoes. So now I'm authenticated. And now what could happen is we can leverage all those value added capabilities and then me on a conversational user interface, a custom offering for the exact pair of shoes that I want, you know, so we can see that these conversational user interfaces can surface yeah. a lot of value added, um, investment by these companies to create really compelling, very targeted, very personalized experiences. Uh, but you know, just my humble opinion and, you know, sort of the way that I, I'd like to think about, okay, where can we get, how, how, where can we get as far as some sort of unique experiment experience down the line? Right. Yeah. That's actually, I've, I was reading funny. You mentioned that I was reading somebody, I forgot already on medium though. I, like I just saw a passing article about the future of um, chat, the, the potential future of chatbots right in the store. And there was some talk about like maybe like Snapchat getting into something like that, like having these, like you take a picture and a conversational interface could help you or a, a messaging app like Facebook. But that's a really cool, it's cool to, to hear that a lot of other people are thinking about that as well. Cause I personally, that's another thing that I think this could be really big. And so, yeah, definitely. So yeah, I think you already sort of touched upon it a little bit in, in your, um, in your answer there, but I want to also ask about your thoughts about like B2B, and maybe the the proper term is like enterprise as well, because it doesn't necessarily need to be B two B. But like, sure. Yeah, what what do you think is the is the future of chatbots in that space? Yeah, you know. So I think that's an interesting topic. Um, you know, I, I guess I'll preface this by saying, you know, in the near term, these are the top use cases I think have a lot of upside right now. Right. Sure. We already talked about one of them, which is sort of yeah. consumer facing, sort of marketing oriented chatbot use cases. Mm-hmm. Use case is um, customer support. You know, I think we've seen a lot of validation in that uh, specific use case. Third use case that I think you're talking about specifically, and there there are like different components to this, but mm-hmm. our line of business internal facing uh, chatbots. Yeah. And you know, uh, I certainly think there's a lot of upside as far as you know, um, automating workflows internally. Um, so that's one component. Now the other component could be uh, sort of external facing B two B marketing, right? We see companies like Drift. And we see companies like um, uh, now I can't even remember what the what their competitors called. I think it's called the uh, Intercom. That's oh the yeah, yeah, that's right. They they just announced that recently. Right, and then I think even companies like the company that that you represent as well. You know, I certainly think it's a strong use case for for B two B. But really, the use cases we're seeing, like from an external facing B two B perspective, tends to be sort of lead qualification. Yeah. You know, lead triaging. You know, customer support. Um, but I think there's also that compelling use case internally with a sort of line of business applications. And the reason why I think it's so compelling right now is because, you know, we think about um, how the paradigm is also shifting internally inside of companies, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think gone are the days of only using email as a way to communicate internally inside of organizations or, you know, communicating with customers potentially or, or other strategic partners. You know, so that's why we see a lot of these companies adopting things like uh, Microsoft Teams, mm-hmm. uh, Slack, and the availability with that is, okay, well, it's another messaging channel. Can we surface some sort of uh, application or capability on those channels to automate some sort of workflow? 
easy as triaging HR requests or reset the password or, you know, helping me, you know, fulfill my expense reports. Yeah. I think there's just, you know, if, and I think we should make the comparison too that companies, you know, around the world have invested hundreds of millions of dollars of building applications, mobile apps for these very use cases. Yeah, now, exactly. Exactly. You know, for whatever reason, you know, we can say that it is um, some sort of slowdown right now in people downloading apps, which is sort of fact at this point, um, or, or a number of other reasons as 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 uh, as far as like why they're not as highly adopted, sure. right? But then when we see messaging, it's just like, everyone's already using messaging, you know, it's a brain. All the time. There's an extension of utility beyond, you know, just talking to people. And that's where we're seeing these line of business applications really show the, the potential there. So I think that's a good start, right? But then I think even moving past that, the same example, similar to the same example I gave for consumer facing use case, right? Um, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more voice user interfaces uh, yeah, present in offices as well. And that same way we're leveraging the entire value chain and you know, predictive analytics or prescriptive analytics or, you know, however else we're trying to figure out how we can augment that experience. Um, I think we're certainly going to see that take place. And, you know, it's actually funny that you asked me this question because you know, I was uh, sitting in on a presentation last night from uh, Suhas Uliar who is the VP of bots, AI, and mobile product management at Oracle. And, uh, he was actually demoing for us a chat bot that he had built for him for his sort of internal, uh, internal needs in regards to, he does a lot of trips and he was showing us this bot that, you know, uh, pretty much helps him schedule trips. You know, he can surface, you know, Yelp in there too. So if he's looking for a restaurant, he can also access the expense reporting bot. So when he goes to the restaurant, he can just take a picture of the receipt. Um, so I think there's quite a lot of potential um, and a lot of cool stuff. Oracle is definitely surfacing. That's awesome. That's, that's a really cool example, actually. I know there's, I guess there's like, you know, there people can make the case that, well, there's apps that can do that too and, and stuff like that. But I can imagine, um, I think at the same time, like there's just all these opportunities for bots to create more personalized experiences and more specific cases and, and there, yeah. There's a lot of cool ways that it can go. So definitely, definitely a great response to the thought process for enterprise. And so um, on, on that topic, actually, a little bit is a question that I think you can answer pretty well, but I've actually heard not answered too well before in, in different articles and interviews sure. before. And that's how can, what is the best way to sell bots to businesses? And not necessarily, and it's a broad question, but you know, yeah. you can touch upon like medium-sized businesses who are running websites or like startups even who are running websites. like. Why do they need, why can't they just have their own customer support people, right? Like what's, what really, how much time is it really saving or voice interfaces recording a meeting? Like, do we really need anybody doing that? Right. So, you know, what, what is sort of your, been ex your experience for the skeptics out there who just have no clue what the ROI can be? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a good question. I think, first of all, you know, I think there is a, a component of this. Um, that resides with the business that is trying to provide delivery for bots or is trying to create products for sure. some use cases. I think, first of all, uh, you know, I think in any emergent technology, there's definitely the uh, tempting, uh, uh, tempting um, thing to do, which is let's try and address every use case in every vertical. So I think obviously, you know, uh, a first step is just go narrow, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, don't cater to the technology. Like a lot of people get, you know, way too excited about the technology and then we mm -hmm. 
if we get the business case. Of course. And, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but you know, we certainly saw a couple of companies um, in the early days of bots 2015, 2016, really hyping the technology and uh, maybe hyping it a little too far and not really talking about the business case quite as much. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think this is just not, it's not atypical. Um, you know, I think it goes back to thinking about how we market all other types of technology, you know, whether that's some sort of ERP solution or some sort of, you know, chatbot or, you know, a website, right? It's always really identifying what are the specific business needs and what are the upside, upside benefits these companies can get access to. Now, specifically, um, you know, if we're talking about some sort of like enterprise chatbot um, implementation, what we've seen success so far is, you know, speaking to people in the um, sort of innovations departments or R&D departments in these companies because they're sort of willing to, you know, experiment with some of these sort of more forward-leaning technologies. Um, certainly, we've also seen success, you know, in the customer support um, sort of departments because they sort of get it and there's been a lot of talk and, you know, some high-profile successes in this space. Um, but, you know, I would just say, you know, it just goes back to, you know, can you identify a pain point they have, you know, is the solution even a good fit, you know, because there's, there's actually quite a few times where I've been talking to some of these business stakeholders and I'm just saying like, you know, like I, I don't, I I see what you're saying, but I don't know if a chatbot or a voice user interface is actually going to be the best fit for what your challenge is. So, you know, I think all those things and then finally being able to say, okay, well, the chatbot is going to be able to address you know, um, 20% of these questions for the call center, you know, and uh, if your cost on average per call right now is between six and $7, you know, let's say that we eliminated about 20% of these questions here. Now, what does that do to your overhead, right? How much more money are you saving? And then what's the upside for the end customer, right? Maybe that's, you know, a higher NPS score and higher quality of customer support because now you can sort of take those people that were working on the entire distribution of questions in the call center and push them only onto the calls that are the most complicated, right? Where the people are going to want to talk to a human. So, you know, I, I think, you know, that would be like my general suggestion about things is like, don't focus on the technology. It's um, quite honestly, like no one cares about the technology, right? The technology is cool to guys like us, you know, yeah, that, of course passionate about that. But, you know, if, if you're a business owner or you're a stakeholder, you care about driving some sort of results or, or solving a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, I guess it's always complicated for, always complicated for emerging tech, but, you know, at the same time, like, I think that that's one of the, I think influencers can make some of the biggest impact in that too. You know, what, what are these people reading? What are they looking through on LinkedIn? You know, they, they need to hear stuff like this. Also, of course, the people who are actually creating the products as well, but yeah, there were some, I do say, I would say there are some companies at the beginning really, really sort of, I don't want, I don't want to say messed it up, but sort of ruined it in a lit for a little bit in the way that they, the way that they said it. And people are thinking, oh, bots are just these like, bots, bots are just hype, you know, rather than being legitimate ROI generating resources. So I guess that's what the next step is, right? Is sort of, you know, coming out of what, what that image has been created. So on that note, let's jump into the bot community a little bit. Now, um, I personally have not been in the bot community too much in the, in like the last couple of years. I remember being in the early days, uh, to, again, 2015, 2016, I remember the, a lot of the cool discussions and a lot of the early publications and websites that were out there sort of facilitating a discussion, but you've had some communities that I haven't, I haven't checked out 
before now, unfortunately, but you had um, your Facebook community and you have your podcast and you have an audience on LinkedIn as well. So just tell me a little bit about what sort of, what are some of your big lessons from um, creating those communities? How did you sort of start in creating a community like that? You know, what, what made you start a community rather than just be a writer or someone who's just writing posts or whatever, creating videos for, for that niche? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's very much in line with the same approach that I had with the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. I just think, you know, the more people that we can bring together, um, you know, I mean, like, we're all smart, right? In our ways, we're all smart, and we all can figure things out that are going to be valuable. But I think the aggregate of multiple people coming together and talking about these things, you know, the net sum is always going to be more valuable, right? So to me, you know, that's how I've always learned the fastest, you know, so, you know, I took that same approach um, now specifically with entrepreneurs, uh, the Facebook group, um, you know, at the time I didn't see very many people creating video content and I saw two or three other guys um, that were doing some cool stuff. I ended up reaching out to them on LinkedIn. I said, Hey, you know, like, I think there's a cool opportunity for us to like have a Facebook group and only to do like video content, have video interviews, you know, leverage that content and promote it and build an audience um, that was like really engaged. And, you know, so that's, that, that was my approach with that. Um, for our offline community that's actually out here in Seattle, we also run the chatbot and voice technology meetup. We scaled that 100 people. Um, same exact approach. Um, and, and, you know, the nice thing, too, is, like, you know, if you create platforms, it provides people that are passionate to come and speak about that to audiences that are going to care about it. Um, and, and because of that, you know, we've been very um, – very fortunate to have people like the VP of Microsoft's AI and research, Lily Chang, come speak. And we've had Suha Suliar, um, the VP of bots over at Oracle, as well as like uh, Cameron Williams, who's the developer evangelist at Amazon, come speak. Um, and I've certainly learned many things about the ecosystem, best practices, um, and, and you know, ultimately just trying to figure out how to create a community that's really engaged. Um, as far as, you know, what things I've learned, you know, I think... Um, probably the, the biggest thing I've learned is like, you know, I, I think this is probably just like a, a good character to have in life in general is just, you know, just be humble. Right. And I think, you know, having these, you know, helping to be a part of facilitating these communities, you know, has made me because it showed me, um, how much I knew, but also how much I didn't know, you know, and I think the more people that we can bring together into these communities and, and really take that approach and learning, I think it just enables us to solve hard problems faster and to collaborate and to pool resources and, and to just really make things happen. Yeah. Um, but uh, th- that's where I guess I would say generally um, what I learned so far. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And um, on, on that topic a little bit more. So you were just at, uh, it's called Chatbot Summit then or Bot Summit or which one? Yeah. Uh, so it's called Chatbot Summit. Chatbot Summit. Yeah, gotcha. They've done... Uh, I want to say they've they've done four events so far. So the first one was in Tel Aviv, and then the, then the next one was in Berlin, and then they went back to Tel Aviv. I went there in January, and then I was just at the recent one in Berlin, and then they're going to be bouncing back to Tel Aviv in June. Oh, nice, nice. All right. So just out of curiosity, you know, what do you, what do you think is sort of from that event? You know, what is sort of your the state of maybe you know it's probably probably brought out a lot of the international bot community, obviously sure. overseas and everything. So wasn't exclusive to the United States or to, you know, the North American region as well. So what, what do you, what are some of the, what's the status that you see and sort sure. of what do you, um, what is a very impactful moment from the event that you 
saw as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I can, uh, it's actually a topic I really enjoy talking about because, you know, to me, it seems like there's a lot of sometimes confusion, a lot of noise in the space. Sure. You know, necessarily know sometimes if it's, if it's, uh, you know, what you're hearing is actually real or if it's right. just, you know, marketing material. So, you know, so my biggest takeaway is, um, if we look at the hype cycle, you know, at the first chatbot summit I went to earlier this year in January, you know, they were essentially saying the hype is now over, you know, which I, which I pretty much agree with. And that we were sort of sitting in that trough of disillusionment, right? Mm -hmm. This in 2016, you know, some, a very small set of implementations worked very well. Most of them failed. And now people sort of have a bad taste in their mouth, right? There were the promises and commitments that just didn't come to fruition. But that being said, there was a ton of passion and a ton of interest and energy in building things that actually worked. Now, you know, several months later, uh, this previous chatbot summit in Berlin, um, you know, the common sentiment was that we're getting to climb out of that trough of disillusionment and begin to climb the slope of enlightenment, right? Now, obviously, these things are very, you know, sometimes anecdotal in, if we think about the evidence. Um, some of it is quantitative. Now, I certainly believe that we are beginning to climb out of that slope, even if it's just on that initial incline. Sure. The reason why I believe that, the reason why I'm so confident in that is because, you know, like a lot of the opportunity that was sold to people in the early days of the hype was two things. One is opportunity, paradigm shift, great. Second thing was AI is going to solve everything. NLP is so awesome. You know, you can just all your data and put it into this platform and, you know, you can ask it anything. You know, um, reality check, right? It's like that's just just not the fact, right? So, you know, from where that started to current day, now what is it that we see today, right? Sure, we still see some companies riding off of that, but also we see some select companies that have figured it out. Maybe they haven't cracked the entire piece, but they figured it out. So that to me begins to signal, you know, we are starting to identify best practices, turnkey models, heuristics. And, you know, I'll, I'll just name a couple of companies to sort of prove my point here. Sure. Well, actually, uh, maybe I'll, I'll provide, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll maybe provide this first example. So when we think about Amazon, right, for example, Amazon probably has one of the largest teams when it comes to conversational user interfaces, data scientists, you know, uh, developers, uh, UX experts, um, and any anyone in between that. Yeah. Now, if you think about that. You would expect them to be releasing some sort of you know ultra conversational natural language understanding you know uh, implementation that's that you know people are just like oh this is so crazy this works great. But Amazon is realistic. Amazon is playing to the limitations of the ecosystem. So if you think about that. And then also think about Amazon has a customer support chatbot. Now their customer support chatbot is a rules-based chatbot. You know, just frame that for a second, right? For the people that have probably the most experienced team and the largest one, they have a rule-based, a rules-based chatbot, right? So what does that sort of tell us about the ecosystem right now? It means, you know, people aren't riding off the hype anymore. They're beginning to tail their expectations, they're curtailing the implementations. They sort of see what's working well. And they're pushing and focusing on the business case and the business outcomes and not so much the technology anymore. So that's one example. Second example is there's a company called HelpShift. 
Now, HelpShift, um, they do sort of end-to-end customer support uh, while leveraging chatbots. Now, I was talking to their co-founder, uh, Abhinav Tripathi, and he was telling me that their platform now is processing over 900 million conversations per month, um, primarily facilitated by chatbots. Now, so they've also figured something out, and they took a very pragmatic approach as well, not overemphasizing using NLP for everything, but using NLP for certain components and the intelligence layer, and in addition to that, then using rule-based bots as well, right? Take a very pragmatic approach. And then there's companies like Shop Message, which I mentioned, where they've also cracked something in the chatbot puzzle. And then there's another company called Bbot or Bespoke.ai. Oh, yeah. Japan, and you know they essentially are, you know, touching every one in three tourists, uh, English-speaking and Chinese-speaking tourists, and that's 11 million people um, yearly. And I think that's that just goes to show that um, some people have figured out components of the ecosystem. And because of that, you know, I think if we sort of measure that trend, we're we're slowly beginning to crawl out here. Um, but uh, it's, it's certainly going to take a lot more insights and experience and failures as well as successes. Absolutely. I do see a lot of upside from that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's a really good way to sort of, you know, hear, I think like for, for, for really anybody listening, whether they're, whether they're into chatbots or not, I think it's just important that, you know, hearing that there's an active, like there's examples of it coming back out. Right. Especially when we talk about people who might be sort of, skeptical of, of bots and, and curious about the future, you know, hearing about like, yes, there are, there are legitimate examples. There's legitimate ways it could come back, but it's just a matter of, it's a matter of time and effort and sort of a community obviously that stays dedicated. To it. So um, a little bit about um, audio interfaces, that one, you know, if we want to talk about like chatbots, I mean, I guess, you know, technically they, there's a few that have broken really well. Right. I mean, I guess, Alexa, right? That's something that I think, you know, if we're talking about a centralized, it depends on the definition of chatbots too, right? I'm not really sure. Sometimes people consider that maybe more towards, you know, like chatting, right? You know, have to have text with it and then there's audio bots or something like that. But what are your thoughts generally on, you know, Alexa, HomePod, Google Home, and that and their influence on even if you can really briefly touch upon it, if you've seen cool examples in enterprise, because most of what we see is consumer, but yeah, what are your what are your overall thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you know, I think if we think about from a technology perspective, you know, primarily whether it's deployed on Messenger or Slack or voice interface like Alexa, mm-hmm. um, for the most part, the technology is relatively similar. Although yeah. you know, like voice user interfaces, you have ASR, um, where you wouldn't even need that with a chatbot, right? Sure. That being said, um, you know, with voice user interfaces, the channel doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, you could make the you could make the debate that it does exist for Google because essentially every mobile handset is effectively you know uh, a piece of that channel. Exactly. Um, but with Amazon Alexa, right, that channel doesn't exist. So that you sort of see them coming out with like thirty devices. I think they release. They're trying to go yeah. gamers, you know, when it comes to actually building out that channel. Now that being said, I, I, I definitely see um, chatbots are a bit more mature than voice user interfaces. I think voice user interfaces definitely have some significant obstacles to overcome. Certainly. The most glaring example of that right now is just the issue with discoverability, yeah. right? Discoverability as well as, you know, the intuitiveness of even finding that skill. You know, so I think until 
that's really solved. Um, I think voice is still going to continue to be sort of an adjunct channel, mm -hmm. um, a primary touch point right now. So discoverability for sure. Yeah. And then extending that to the actual skills themselves. Um, I think a lot of companies that have these skills built out um, and, you know, so I was just um, speaking with someone uh, when I was actually in Berlin that had built out the BBC chatbot. I mean, the BBC Alexa skill mm -hmm. and doing some cool stuff with that. Uh, but like sort of a major thing right now is just like figuring out like what content is even going to resonate with people sure. voice user interfaces, you know, so that's certainly um, an opportunity that many people are trying to figure out like, okay, we have this user base already. Now, what content do they actually want to have over this, right? So I think that's definitely something that people are still focusing in on, right? Mm -hmm. So then if we even extend that to the opportunities to monetize, now, you know, I, I think that's, that's, sort of the, uh, that's sort of the bottleneck, right? It's like if we don't really know right now what content's going to resonate on voice user experiences, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to have a difficult time sort of monetizing it, even though the monetization avenues exist with in-scale purchases as well as, um, you know, being able to charge people for subscriptions. I think voice certainly has some obstacles to overcome at this point, but seeing at the pace that Alexa and Google are releasing new devices, not only voice specific, but also multimodality based devices that also have the extension of screens or other interfaces, um, as well as a lot of the stuff they're pushing out to the developer community, um, and providing accessibility for integrations. Um, I think, you know, within the next um, couple of years, we're definitely going to see some more interesting use cases. Um, as far as a successful voice user interface uh, skill right now that I can think of, um, you know, that's, that's actually a tough one because for me, when I use um, voice user interfaces right now, typically it's just like uh, flash briefings. And, you know, statistically, if you look at Amazon Alexa, that tends to be probably the most uh, utilized feature at this point. I see, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a tough one because it's, it's like a lot of like the core components of some of these platforms, you know, just asking what the weather is or asking, right. you know, um, play music. Things like that. Yeah, music, exactly. You know, seem to work very well. But, you know, having those extended experiences from different brands, you know, not so much so far. So I think there's obstacles so. to overcome right now. Definitely, definitely. So, yeah, yeah, great answer. And, and definitely good food for thought as well. You know, thinking about like where where skills stand in sort of the, the realm of the chatbot community, chatbot world. I think that answers it pretty, that was sort of going to be my follow-up question, but I think you cool. answered the status of that pretty well. So, um, and now we're down to our final questions, really. So um, one of the last sort of more technical body questions here is, what do you think of, so you actually did touch upon it just like us for like a second, but, you know, the big hype starting out was AI, um, NLP, a lot of different, you know, pieces of technology, which language to use, which, you know, like API to use, or a lot of different things for, for AI specifically, right, to, to do more of that stuff. But what do you think of sort of the world of like non-API, non-AI rather, conversational interfaces? Like, sure. you don't, do you think that it's essential that we have only, a, like, is it, that's the only way to go? Or do you think there's still, you know, a lot of opportunities for different ways to do it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, so... You know, I, I, I come back to the context of, you know, it depends. You know, I, mean, I guess that's like the running like consulting joke, right? It's like, oh, it, it depends. It depends. Yeah. And, and I think 
I think it's like really identifying and aligning the specific use case with the flavor of chatbot per se, you know, whether that's a rule-based chatbot, whether that's a, you know, natural language processing only specific chatbot, or maybe whether that's a hybrid chatbot. And we're seeing a lot of hybrid chatbots um, within the ecosystem right now. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't give a lot of credit to the rule-based chatbots, something like ChatFuel or ManyChat. Sure. But in actuality, they're driving um, some, some significant business outcomes. Um, you know, the other day I was reading a, a case study where this rule-based bot on ChatFuel was driving like $100,000, $200,000 worth of revenue for this makeup company. And, you know, I think, I think that's certainly incredible. Yeah. Um, as far as where technology is at right now, I think, you know, NLP is pretty good. You know, yeah. the content management and some of the intelligent layers, intelligence layers are, are pretty decent. But... You know, I think they can drastically be improved. Um, you know, I think for some specific uh, compartmentalized use cases, they can work quite well. Um, but I think there's a lot of very smart people um, working on solutions right now that are really interesting. Yeah. Uh, for example, you know, so uh, I know a, a company right now, because context management is a, a pretty big pain in the ass right now, uh, especially when you're building bots. Yeah. Um, for you and I right now, just humans on this call, right, you know, we can manage... Uh, context quite easily. We know short-term and long-term, we, you know, we can handle non-sequiturs. So if we're talking about chatbots right now, and maybe we're talking about, you know, maybe there's like some really good restaurant in San Francisco, you know, easily jump back and we still have the context. Now, most chatbots, you know, even if it's a natural language processing chatbot cannot handle non-sequiturs, right? So those very basic common things that take place in conversations that we have with our friends and family, most can't really handle. Yeah. Um, it is possible to try and handle those with some platforms, but the scalability and the amount of time necessary to build those experiences out uh, oftentimes might not be the most practical way to go about things. So there are people working on making context management more accessible. There's a company I'm into called Before.ai. Um, uh, Michael Furtick is actually sort of a, a big champion of them. Um, I think he's the CEO of it right now and also was one of the initial investors. Um, they're certainly doing some cool stuff uh, in that space. Um, they're they're building sort of a model called stacking uh, to handle context management. I found it to be uh, quite practical, uh, and they have a really impressive tech demo. So definitely make sure to check them out. And then also uh, Oracle is doing a lot of cool stuff. You know whether that's sequence sequence stuff, whether that's knowledge graphs, whether that is uh, transfer learning. Um, they have aspects of all of that in their current platform right now, and. To be honest, like I think they probably have one of the most advanced platforms when it comes to sort of the AI-related uh, chatbots and implementations. But um, you know, that being said, you know, I'll sort of come back to what I initially said. It's um, you know, there are benefits and downsides and examples of each of these different flavors um, working well in a variety of different use cases. It really just depends on the use case. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's a great way to close it out. I think that was sort of a it's that's a good sort of talk about or good thing to think about the future, right? Good to think about the next steps of what the world of chatbots might look like, the world in technology, in you know practicality stuff like that. So this was this was great. Thank you so much for joining us, Chad, uh, today. And um, just wanted to ask, you know, final question is where can we find you right now? If you want? Yeah, absolutely. Um... So if you guys are in Seattle, uh, definitely come out to the chatbot and voice technology meetup. Um, we're actually working with a live person right now. So they just put a new research and development center out here in Seattle. Um, we're going to have Alex Spinelli um, come and speak. So he's the new CTO 
of live person. He was actually the, uh, the head of Alexa OS at Amazon. Oh, wow. Jump shipped a couple months ago. So he'll definitely have some really interesting things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, I'll be dropping more podcasts on the bot podcast. We recently had interviewed Ofer Ronin from Google. Um, and then I'm going to be dropping a podcast with uh, Rob Lawson, who's also from Google, who's working on their RBM RCS initiative. Nice. There. Also, you know, uh, feel free to join our Botrepreneurs group on Facebook. Um, we certainly help to foster um, a lot of conversations, fireside chats. Um, so it's a good place to sort of get connected to people in the space. You know, also, um, you know, always feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. More than happy to, you know, talk, chat, you know, introduce you to people in the space. I'm always willing to do that. And then, um, you know, if you guys are looking for, you know, um, me at other conferences, I'm going to be speaking at the Business of Bots conference uh, in February of next year. Nice, nice. Well, thank you so much again. Um, you know, to the audience quickly, thank you so much for joining us today. I think this has been a really, really great perspective on the status of bots, the bot community, uh, the future of bots even, and, and just sort of like, uh, just some really, really good food for thought in, you know, not just for a certain niche, but for really, you know, consumer enterprise, small business, B2B, all that stuff. So yeah, perfect. Thanks so much. And uh, tune in for our next um, interview coming out soon. Cool. Thanks so much, Nikhil. 